0: Welcome to the 122nd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, and I'm really tired. Uh, Besides that, we are here to talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. We haven't been playing much. We won't be talking about much, but hey, it's still us. We're still here. We're recording on March 11th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. I am 50% of this here show with me. As always, Corey Motley, staff writer
1: at Game Critics. How are you doing, sir? Um, I am all right. You know, sometimes it feels like we recorded like we started recording a show and it feels like man we just recorded like yesterday but maybe because I did a lot of stuff over the weekend which I'll talk about later it feels like we haven't recorded in like 600 years uh, how does how are you feeling about our recording schedule
0: the last time we recorded I was wearing a suit of full armor and I was on my way to a
1: <laughs> castle so yes it's been several hundred years <laughs> Were you riding your trusty steed with your lance in hand?
0: Exactly so. Lance in one hand, microphone, and my recording backpack (laughs) in the other, and that's what we were doing. So we are back. We are back. I know. You
1: didn't know about all that that medieval shit, right? But that was... was, When I was editing the show, your audio was so crisp. How did you manage that with a suit of armor on riding a horse?
0: Well, he's a very quiet horse. Very quiet horse.
1: (laughs) Anyway, anyway, as you might tell uh,
0: regular listeners, today is not going to be our usual structured show. Uh, Corey and I have both been really busy doing things, and we haven't played a whole lot of stuff. We will have some games to talk about for sure. Uh, But also, we're kind of just like, I don't know about you, man, but I'm kind of like laying down on the couch, kind of (laughs) snoozing my way through the day today. And I don't have, I don't know, I was just just feeling, you know, maybe today is going to be a laid back. Let's just talk about stuff and just do... A more informal show. I hope that's okay with you, sir. Of
1: course it's okay.
0: All right. So we're going to just randomly stumble through it. If, folks, if you don't like The Unstructured Show, I know we do these like every once in a while. If The Unstructured Show irritates you or you feel like it's a waste of time or you just don't like it, I totally apologize, but that's what's going down right now. Feel free to skip the episode. Come back. I'm sure we will be back on track with our usual next week. But today, this is what this is what we're doing. So please, you know, get comfy. Take off your shoes. Grab a warm yeah. beverage if you want. Snuggle
1: in with a blanket. We're
0: going to just, we're going to get cozy. We're going to just, we're going to just chit-chat today, so.
1: Yeah. Also, also on that note, um, because we are going to be like weaving in and out of games and probably other stuff and then back to games or whatever, um, I will still put uh, timestamps in the show notes. So if you want to look at that and see if we're, because Brad actually has a lot of games he wants to talk about, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those times where he says about... Four sentences on every game. So the timestamps will be there if you want to see what we're talking about and decide you're not interested or you don't want to have to listen through our like bullshit between every game or whatever. I mean, you will not offend us in the slightest if you decide that this is not for you, but we are going to be talking about games still. The games will be listed, the timestamps and everything. So have a look at the show notes if you want. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's sort of what we're, what we're doing today. Totally. Totally.
0: We are, we are, we are overcoming adversity to record this show today, so (laughs) it may not be up to our usual standards, but we are coming through technically and there is a show to listen to. So join us, join us on this journey. If you would, um, I guess we could just talk about whatever. I mean, usually we talk about like banter and shit. I mean, I don't know what you've been doing, dude, but I've been. Extremely busy. Uh, this is my first day off in a while, and uh, you know, as as frequent listeners of the banter will know, I've been working at uh, a local theater, ACT Theater in Seattle, working behind the scenes on Romeo and Juliet, which is now open, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, but we were doing twelve hour days, and we transitioned from twelve hour days into ten hour days, uh, and it's not as restful or as or, or as easy as that might sound. Uh, so. <laughs> I just got done with doing ten hour days. This is my first day off in a while, and like literally, like I mean, it's two o'clock here in the afternoon, p.m. in the West Coast time, and I've been either laying down or on a couch of some sort like the entire day. I haven't been doing <laughs> anything, and my son has been hanging out with me. We've been watching some shows and kind of just kicking it. We had like a donut. That was like the most strenuous thing I did all day was like eat a donut. Um, and I'm just I'm I'm tapped out right now, man. I need like Multiple more days to recover from this journey but uh, but here
1: we are well i 'm dying speaking of the theater i 'm like dying to ask you about because i know i don 't remember if it was in banter proper or if I just asked you before we started recording last week kind of how the show um, the theater show schedule was going that you 're working on because I know. You had talked about um, several times over having the snow in Seattle and how you guys missed like a week or two of rehearsals and how you were like scrunching everything down. And last week, I remember asking you like, oh, well, when does the show actually go up? Like, what's the schedule? And you were like, oh, well, it actually opens this weekend. And I was kind of shocked to hear that because I guess I hadn't really been paying attention to like the actual layout of the weeks of rehearsal and it opening. So now the show is live. It has gone on. It has been produced. um, And I am dying to know how everything went.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, just to kind of quickly recap for people who may have not heard have heard that, or maybe you know whatever, um, we were supposed to have. I mean, rehearsal takes a while. I think the average theater show, at least around these parts, is usually between it's usually about six weeks, maybe four weeks. Um, and we were we were booking for four weeks to rehearse, which means you're just in the rehearsal studio, everybody's in there, and you're working like like ten hours a day, getting the show on its feet and, uh, off the page. Um, but what happened was we had snowpocalypse. We talked about snowpocalypse a couple times and we went from having four weeks to three weeks because everything got fucked up because of the snow and some people couldn't make it. And the schedule was wonky and just the whole city shut down for a couple days. And so to go from four weeks to three weeks is a huge, um, I mean, that's a huge loss of time. Uh, thankfully everybody was really all about it and the director was great and all the support staff were great. So we got the show going, and it's been fun. We had a week of tech, which is where you're actually in the space, uh, like on stage, the, the actual stage, and they fix the lights, and they fix the sounds, and then we, you know, change anything that needs to be changed about positioning or blocking or anything like that. So we got through that, and then the show opened. The show opened last Thursday. So what is today? Today is Tuesday, so it's only been running for a couple of days, but it's open, and we had some reviews come in. Reviews have been largely really positive. Um... We had like, a number of really uh, packed houses. Opening night was really exciting. Um, we had a, like an opening night party after that, and everybody was just really happy that we got there. And uh, I mean, it's been really good. It's been really good. So the show is on now, and I believe it runs until March 31st. So you have 20 more days to come see it in Seattle if you are in and around and want to check it out. Um, but I'm, I mean, there's always stuff that everybody wants to change. I mean, I don't think the director... Implemented every aspect of his vision. I mean, partly just because of time, but also because of other things. But also, the thing that's really unique about this um, particular production is that it's incorporating uh, ASL, American Sign Language, and Shakespearean English. So, I mean, that was really one area where the lack of time really hurt us the most because Shakespeare is really impenetrable for a lot of people these days. And I don't defend it. I think, honestly, I am not a fan of Shakespeare. And I don't think that. <laughs> I don't hold it in that high regard, you know, like people who are like, oh, Shakespeare is the height of, of literature. I'm like, no, it's not. It is super not. Like it's when you really dig into it, it's just, he, he had some good ideas. He got to them first because he was like lived 400 years ago. So he beat a lot of people to the punch, but like, it's not the best stuff. And like, I just don't like the language that much myself. Like when you hear it, it's really impenetrable. It's hard to understand. And then to take that language and then to number one, like understand what he's even saying and then number two <laughs> i mean literally dude like literally like we had multiple translation texts that were like i'm mean, like a book is called uh, the most the most popular one is called no fear shakespeare where someone takes actual shakespeare on one side of the book and then on the other side of the book they break it down in regular english so the guy will be like thee and thou and forsooth and forsworn and blah 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 and on the other page it's like oh he's upset his girlfriend got stolen <laughs> okay got you got you like So taking that and then translating that into American Sign Language, which has no written form and does not have corollaries for a lot of the stuff that comes up in Shakespeare, it takes a lot of time. can be done. I think it's awesome when it's done, but it takes a lot of time. So that was one of the biggest challenges. And that's really what makes this production um, so special. Romeo and Juliet is probably one of the the most produced plays in the world, has been for hundreds of years. And I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes like, oh, I already know that story. I already know what's going to happen. It's boring. I don't care about that. And a lot of people just don't like Shakespeare in general. But this is a really dynamic play. Like, there's a lot of really awesome visual elements that uh, are not seen very often. Um, it's done in the round. And so there's people surrounding all sides of the stage. And then Romeo himself is deaf. He's played by an uh, actor, a uh, wonderful actor, and one of my good friends, Joshua Castile, very talented guy. Um, Friar Lawrence, who plays uh, Romeo's mentor, is played by Emmy award-winning uh, actor. or Actually, is it Oscar award? I think he actually has an Oscar, I believe. Um Howie Segoe, who's also a friend of mine, lives in town, a uh, great actor. He was on Star Trek. And um, seeing those two guys who are both deaf do sign language and how they relate to the rest of the cast who are hearing and how that all works out is really interesting on top of just like the great fight scenes that are in there. This, it's actually a much bloodier play than people will probably realize. It's not just two kids falling in love. Like a lot of people get killed in that play. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy shit that goes down. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see. The lighting is awesome. The set is awesome. Uh, just everything about it is really fresh and new. So even for people who think maybe Romeo and Juliet is tired and, and worn out, uh, there's still a lot to like and a lot to discover in this one. So I'm, I'm really proud of being a part of it. It's been a really cool experience. I'm really glad I was there um, from day one until opening and I'm fucking tired as hell. Like I'm so tired right now, <laughs>
1: but it's been worth it. dude. It's been worth it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I was uh, really worried that you were going to come back and be like, oh, well, the first night was a disaster, you know, because, like, we didn't have enough time to prep. But, I mean, I guess you've said before that pretty much everybody that's involved with the production of this is, like, an absolute professional and earned their way there and is, you know, giving it their all. So, I trust that everybody would know what they're doing, and even with the short amount of time, it seems like you guys pulled it off really well.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody is so great. I mean, we've seen a number of just, you know, something goes wrong every night, but, like, I guess part of the magic of live theater is just like how you recover from that and how you move on and how people kind of just pick it up and don't stop. And, you know, like, for example, um, sometimes Romeo's sword or there's a multiple swords, but sometimes one of the swords will go spinning off into the audience. Like it's supposed to be like dropped on stage (laughs) and it'll like go spinning off. And like last night, one of the cast members for like whatever reason, like this has never happened in like four weeks of rehearsal. But for the first time, one of the guys who was like running on stage, like lost his footing and he slid all the way and he ended up in the lap of one of the audience members and it just <laughs> oh became God. like a moment he was like howdy and the guy's like hi and then they just <laughs> had a moment the lights were on and everybody kind of just was like oh is this part of the show and it wasn't but they made it part of the show and so like how you recover from things that go wrong or sometimes somebody will be facing the wrong way or somebody sometimes will somebody will forget a line but then somebody else will like pick up their line and it becomes like kind of a funny moment and it's it's never boring dude like it's never boring there's always something that can go wrong but and and it will, like, it will go wrong, but it's how you deal with it that kind of makes that much more different and more dynamic than just, like, filming a TV show where you'd be like, oh, cut, you know, we're not going to do that, like, re- try it again, and this time, you know, there's no retrying, because you're on stage, and there's, like, you know, 500 people in the audience, you can't just stop and start over, so you got to just move ahead, it's, it's pretty interesting, pretty, pretty scary sometimes, pretty exciting, but, uh, <laughs> everybody's been great, it's been a great experience working with Josh and Howie's been awesome, I love those guys very much, and it's, uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really happy that I got to be part of it and it, doing anything like that is really like a it's so much work and it's so exhausting, but it's also like so fun and such a treat and it's such a rare opportunity because um you don't often get deaf actors in large stage productions in association with other uh like 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 a big name stuff. Like there's deaf theater, which is its own kind of thing, but to have deaf actors in like a large production with a lot of hearing people on a on a major stage in a major city Doesn't happen every day, and I've gotten to do a couple of those, so I feel pretty, pretty blessed to be able to uh, be part of those. So I dig it, man. I really dig a lot.
1: Hashtag blessed.
0: Hashtag blessed, (laughs) although I'm not religious, but I guess blessed in some sense. So it's been going really well, really well. Um, before we change topics real quick, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, I worked with Josh last year in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm sure you remember that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so When Josh was in that play, he played Quasimodo, the lead role, and he was accompanied by a gargoyle who acted as his voice uh, because Quasimodo in the actual book is literally deaf. And most times that he is portrayed, he can usually kind of hear or something. People kind of skirt that. But uh, the director really embraced the part that he was deaf, chose a deaf actor, worked it into the play. So that was really interesting. But he had uh, a guy, his name was E.J. Cardona. He's actually a uh, singer performer from Florida. He came up and he was uh, Josh's partner on stage. So on stage, you would see Josh being Deaf Quasimodo, but then whenever there was like a speaking part, or it was also a musical because it was kind of based on the Disney production, whenever the music would take over, like EJ would step in and be the singing voice. And EJ's voice is fucking phenomenal. He is like the best fucking singer, and he's a really nice guy, a really cool dude. Um, so seeing Josh do ASL, which kind of ends up being like kind of like a visual poetry on stage, in addition to EJ doing the songs. Who just has like this like incredible voice? I mean, that was like a really tour de force sort of a thing, and people came from like all over the country to see it, and it was it was worth it. Um, They ended up becoming really good friends, and although they live in separate parts of the country, Josh is, I believe, based in LA, and EJ is still in Florida. um, They are coming together to do a one day only show, uh, which I am fucking super excited about. So it's going to be happening here in Seattle on April second. Um, you can check it out. I believe it's the, oh man, I'm supposed to have the
1: URL ready. I'm not ready.
0: (laughs) I am not ready. Let me look it up real quick. Corey, fill some time.
1: Um, okay. While you're looking it up, can I ask you a question while you're looking it up? Yes, ask me a question. Um, if they're coming together to do this one night production, is this something you're working with them on or are you totally separate from it?
0: I am working with them on it, although I'm just going to be basically like the interpreter for it. Uh, and I'm, I mean, they may have me do something goofy. I don't know if they're going to have me do something goofy. Um, <laughs> like break dance on stage. I will not do that. <laughs> I will not do that. Um, I may do something, but, uh, probably not. I think I'm going to be just being the interpreter role. Maybe like, you know, introduce the stuff and whatever, whatever. Oh my God, I can't find. <laughs> it's so stupid. This, I'm oh so my stupid. God, Brad. Oh my God. I got to apologize to everybody. Uh, wait, 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 wait. It's on my phone. I got it on my phone. Anyway, point being, they're going to get up on stage for only two shows on only one day. It's going to be on April 2nd, and it's going to be fucking killer. I'm so excited. It's going to be like a cabaret show. They're probably going to have like sequin jackets and like balloons and stuff. Okay, here it is. It's the E J O S H show dot tickets.com so you can check it out there get some tickets it's cheap ticket and like i mean if you're in the area you will not be disappointed it's going to be fucking amazing so i'm really really excited for this so anyway shout out to those guys plug for the show glad i found that website i'm so embarrassed and there we go so that's that's what i've been doing that's what i've been doing um cory i talked for a million years what have you been doing
1: um, well, I had a very busy. Well, I, yeah, it was a very busy weekend. So, I ended up. This, this is gonna. This story is gonna mirror about a hundred stories I've already told on the show before. But I went to. Um, I went out of town over the weekend. I went to um, Columbus, but not Columbus, Ohio, which most people would think of. I went to Columbus, Georgia, which is right. Didn't even know that like, was a thing. It is a thing. Yeah, I had never been before, but it's basically like. If you're me in New Orleans and you're driving to Atlanta, Atlanta is about an eight-hour drive from New Orleans, but uh, Columbus, Georgia is pretty much like right over the state line from like Alabama to Georgia. It's pretty much like just, it's probably like maybe 15 minutes after you cross the state line. It's like right there. Um, So it's about two hours closer, give or take, than Atlanta. And we had, you know, just because I've been to Atlanta I feel like so many times over the past like year and a half um, for parkour stuff, usually, um, you know, the, us dudes in New Orleans have gotten to know a lot of the people in Atlanta pretty well. And we like to go up there for jams and stuff whenever they have like parkour events. And this is pretty much the same thing. One of the guys who lives in Columbus, I think he's the only one that lives in Columbus. His name is Colby. Um, he is a very good athlete and he wanted to host just like a little jam And so we went just uh, Ian, who's an athlete in New Orleans, who I photograph pretty regularly. Um, I feel very safe calling him a friend of mine at this point. And he's also the guy who basically every time we go to Atlanta, he like wins every competition for parkour in Atlanta. So like he's like maybe the best practicing parkour athlete in like the southeast quadrant of the United States. Like I feel kind of safe saying that. Um, And it just so happens that he's in New Orleans and I get to photograph him like kind of regularly so it's nice um but it was a cool trip because it was just me and Ian and usually if we go there's like four of us in a car or we take two cars and there's like eight of us to go or something like that but um i mean i wouldn't say that Ian and i were like sneaky about going we like invited other people but a lot of people in the New Orleans area just kind of live all over the place and everybody's really busy doing their own thing so Um, It ended up just being the two of us that went. So I drove us to Columbus, and I basically spent all day Saturday photographing a parkour jam there. And I was, like, really, really pumped about it because, like, the weather was perfect. It was, like, mid-70s, and it was cloudy for most of the day. And cloudy weather is the best for photography because the clouds diffuse the light evenly over uh, the earth, I guess. Um, And it was just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Couldn't, I didn't know how to say it. Sorry, that just, just cracked me up. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just like a good day, and I got to see a bunch of friends because a few people that we know from Atlanta came in. Um, like one of the guys that we stay with pretty much every time we go to Atlanta um, came in with some friends of his who we knew, and everybody competed, and... Um, it was just a really good day. Like we had the jam that day and surprise, surprise, Ian won the jam. Um, they had all the competition stuff laid out and then they had a final segment where the top three people who got like, who um, completed the most amount of challenges went on to do these other three, like harder challenges and Ian won. So, um, he, congratulations to Ian cause he won in a, in a Georgia parkour event for like the fourth time. And, um, and then it was cool cause we got a hotel, Ian and I got a hotel there, which, oh my God, the hotel we got, it's like one of those things where you're like looking online. I feel like I do this more often than I should, where you look online and you're basically like, okay, I want to find like the cheapest hotel room I possibly can. And so you're looking at like $50 rooms and, you know, in the moment you're thinking like, okay, well, all we're going to be doing is sleeping here. You know, we're not going to be hanging out in the hotel. We're not going to be like having a party. We're just going to like go out all day, come back to the room and sleep. So it really doesn't matter how like gross the hotel room is. And then you book it and then you get there and then you check in and then you walk in the room and you're like, man, I really should have thought this through better and booked like a slightly better hotel room because we got this hotel. And I mean, it wasn't a disaster, but we like got there. We didn't get there until like 1130 at night because we like left in the afternoon because Ian got off work around um, five. And so like we get there And we go to check in and, you know, we like check in and because it's after hours, like the front door for the little lobby is locked. And it's one of those motels where like all the doors are outward facing for the rooms. And so we like talk to the woman who's behind the thing at this like, kind of like bank teller window thing. And we like, I give her my ID and everything. She gives us the card keys. We go up to the room and I like swipe the key through the door and the door does nothing. And I'm like, okay, like awesome. So I like try to like... Swipe the key card as many times as I possibly can, and it's not working. And I hand the key card to E, and he can't get it to work either. So we go back down to the desk, and we're like, yeah, the cards aren't working. And she's like... And this is probably like... Because we, we left and got food and came back, so it's probably like 12.30 at this point. And she's like, oh, well, we don't program the keys here, so... um, <laughs> So... And, and she's also like, like we were literally, it's like a two floor motel. And we were like in the very backmost room that like on the second floor that kind of faced like the street on the other side. And it was like the motel was packed, which was weird. And she was like, usually we don't have this many people staying, but there's like some kind of basketball tournament or something in town. So like basically every room is booked. She was like, and also we like never rent out the rooms over there because we're never that full. And so I look at Ian and I'm like, okay, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Does that mean we're going to have like a pristine room because nobody's because nobody ever rents it? Or is it going to be like a disgusting room because it's never cleaned? And then and then she's like, okay, well, here's the master key. Will you just unlock your room and bring it back to me? And we were like, what? What? So she like she literally doesn't doesn't walk us to the room and unlock it. She hands us the master key through this like bank teller, like slidey window thing. We take the master key, which unlocks every room in the entire motel. She just sends us on our way to go unlock the door. And I mean, obviously, we're not going to, like, commit crimes or, like, break into people's rooms or anything. So we, like, go up and unlock it. And, like, Ian takes the key back to her. And, like, we get in the room. And, like, the room's not awful, but it's, like, a two-queen bedroom. There's, like, scuff marks all over one of the walls. There's literally, like, a shoe print, like, four feet up on one of the walls, like, next to, (laughs) like, the sink. Um, the smoke detector was like ripped off the ceiling and it was on the kitchen or not the kitchen it was on the bathroom sink with like the battery hanging out of it so whoever stayed in it obviously like ripped it off so they could smoke the last time they were in it or something and like the beds had like two small pillows they had like a little like it wasn't it was like a, a blanket that was like made out of a pattern to make it look like it was multiple blankets but it was really just one which i thought was kind of hilarious And, like, the little, like, tissue thing that, like, is under the sink was, like, looked like somebody had kicked it. And it was, like, cracked and, like, crudely, like, glued back in three different places. Oh, my God. The air conditioning machine that's in, like, the window kind of unit thing that's, like, on the floor, the entire front casing of it was, like, pulled off and just, like, sitting on the floor next to it. So it was, like, all, like, exposed. uh, like, Like, the AC unit was all exposed on the inside because, like, the casing was pulled off and, I mean, I'm probably, like, over-dramatizing this a little bit because it wasn't that bad. I mean, we all we really did was sleep there, so it's not like we were there all the time. But, you know, I looked at... because And, of course, Ian, like, picked the room. I compiled a list of, like, three hotels that I thought looked okay that were all about the same price. I sent them to Ian, and I was like, hey, look at these, what do you think? Like, let's choose one. And, of course, Ian being, like, the super, like... I don't know, path of least resistance, like straight white guy with no preferences for anything that he is, was literally just looked at the first one and was like, yeah, this one looks fine and like didn't even look at the other ones. So he like looked at the first one sent it back to me and was like, oh, that motel looks good. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So never ever again am I trusting another person's opinion on booking hotel rooms. I'm just going to find one that I want and book it and tell everybody else to suck it. But the good news is that the trip was a success. The jam was really fun. I took a shitload of pictures, which I started editing last night. And one of the guys who lives about an hour away from Columbus, his name is Jeremy, um, who we had met a couple times before through different trips to Atlanta, um he ended up staying because everybody pretty much left and the guy who hosted the jam Colby is only like he like just turned 18 so he can't he like lives with his parents so he can't really like do a whole lot Um, but like Jeremy stayed in town so Ian and Jeremy and I ended up going out to kind of like the downtown area in Columbus so we went to this like pretty cool like kind of like a burger and beer place that was on like the very edge of the downtown area and I wasn't sure like what you know, if it was going to be like, a oh, let's stop in and grab like one beer and leave, or if we were going to like end up eating there or whatever. So I was kind of playing it by ear. And then like Jeremy started talking about how much he likes beer. And then I immediately was like, had the hots for him like the rest of the night because you know how much (laughs) I love beer. And so like every time I like, we like ordered a beer, I was kind of (laughs) like, I didn't want to like straight up ask the room like, oh, how long do you guys want to stay? What do you want to do? I was just like kind of letting things go the way they went. And like every time we ordered a, like a beer, like Jeremy kind of like looked at the menu again to see what he wanted. So we ended up ordering like a lot of beers and we stayed there for a lot longer than I thought we were going to, which is not a complaint at all. It was just like the perfect, just like night out with the guys, you know? And I was like telling Julian earlier in the day during the, during the jam that like, this is the kind of stuff that I like because like, I mean not every gay man does this but like growing up as a gay man like a lot of my friends were women whenever I was younger because I like identified more with like female companions um because I felt like we were kind of more on the same wavelength and I was telling Julian like you know having this kind of stuff even if it's like later in life for me is so nice because this is sort of like like the guy time that I kind of missed out on as I was younger so it was really cool just to like be at the bar with a couple of dudes and just like hang out and drink beer all night and just like, you know, have a lot of fun and talk about whatever. And it was nice to get to know Jeremy more because like, you know, a lot of times for the parkour events, you show up, you do the jam and then, you know, most of the people leave and like you kind of get a sense of how people are and like who they are, but you don't like really get to kind of like dive a little bit deeper. And it was nice to like get to know him more and kind of learn about you know his upbringing and his like the hometown that he lived in, and he was like he's very like kind of liberal for like his area because he grew up in you know across between like Alabama and Georgia, and I um, mean he was talking out to us about how like in his hometown basically like the KKK was still a pretty like active thing up until recently where he grew up, and it just you know wasn't like super publicized, but it was kind of like still a thing, but how he like. You know, he was saying that with a lot of shame because he obviously doesn't really, like, think any way like that. And um, and he was, like, telling me about how there have been, like, like I think he said there were, like, four or five people over the course of his life so far. And I think he's about 25 or 26 or so, somewhere in there, that, like, basically whenever he was in school or, like, in college that, like his friends who were gay, like, they chose him to come out to. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. Like, because he was probably the only, like, forward-thinking person in their entire high school or something or, like, like liberal in that regard. So it was kind of cool to, like, just, like, I don't know, hang out with not only just dudes but dudes who are, like, not, like, you know, your typical, like, straight white muscle men who don't think outside of, like, hot chicks and cars and weightlifting. It was just nice to, like, be around a couple of guys who were, like, you know, it's like more than that, who had like more going on in their heads than just thinking about like boobs and cars. And I don't know, it was a really good time. And I had um, I had a, a great time. We got back last night, the whole trip was safe, nothing, really nothing bad happened at all. And I've been editing the pictures and I'm really pleased with some of the work I did. Um, usually, I'm not one to qualify my own work with photography. I just tend to take the photos and kind of put them out there for consumption, but I really feel like I did some good work this time, so I'm really proud it was a successful trip.
0: Well, that sounds quite lovely. Successful photos and hanging out. I mean, what you're describing is pretty foreign to me because I have rarely met any dudes who I felt like it would be cool to hang out with. It's usually just awkward because I don't know anything about sports and don't (laughs) give a shit, and I don't usually talk about sexual conquests and talk about (laughs) women like that, and I don't really drink alcohol, and so, like, I just am basically incompatible with, like, every straight male that I meet in my life. Like, we just have nothing to talk about and nothing... Unless it's gaming-related, and then we can, you know, we can vibe off that for a while if they're not, like, Mr. Get-Good or whatever. Um, But yeah, I don't... I mean, I, I hear what you're saying 100%, and it's awesome that you had that. I mean, for me, I think we probably mirror each other a little bit in terms of friends, because I mean, growing up, my friends usually uh, were girls. And then when I got older, then it was like gay guys and girls or queer people in general. (laughs) Very rare do I find a straight guy who I think is pretty cool and we can chill out with
1: and and hang. So
0: sounds like a good, good group of people.
1: It was good. And speaking of that, like just as like a touch on a really broader topic, uh, something that I think is interesting is like, you know, I think there's a lot of value in having, especially for men, or, or even, like, straight men, maybe, is having, like, valuable platonic friendships with women. Because you see all the time where it's, like... You know, like, the whole thing about, like, Mike Pence a while ago where he was talking about how he, like, would never be in a room with a woman by himself. And people are, like, well, what are you... Like, why... Like, what are you talking about? Like, why not? Because, like, what is... what is he going to have, like, no other choice but to, like, sexually assault a woman if he's, like, alone with her in the room? And I feel like there's a lot of value to having... Um, to having friends that like are cross, that are diverse, I guess is the word I'm looking for here. Is just like diverse in and of itself. And I noticed because International Women's Day was like uh, like last week. And obviously we need to you know support women in every way, but also that shouldn't just be one day of the year. Like let's be real here. But something that I noticed on International Women's Day a lot is that like there are a lot of people like on my Instagram timeline and on my Twitter timeline. And I'm not trying to say that I'm better than anybody about this because I didn't even like, honor quote unquote anybody for it. Like I wasn't posting pictures of like all my female friends because I don't really think I need to do that. Like the women in my life know how I feel about them. And I don't need to like make a post on Instagram to like show them how special they are to me. Um, But something like a kind of a pattern that I noticed that I thought was interesting and also kind of like concerned me a little bit is that like most of the men that I followed on that I follow on social media, the only women they would post pictures of were their girlfriends or their moms. And I'm like Okay, it's great, obviously, to, like, honor your girlfriend and your mom. But, like, if the only women in your life that you're honoring are the ones you're fucking or are the ones that birthed you, like, that's probably a problem. (laughs) Like, maybe you should, like, try to get more, like, more diverse friends or try to find, like, female friends that, like, you don't just want to fuck. You know what I mean? And so, like, that was, like, slightly concerning to me whenever I saw that, like, over social media on International Women's Day.
0: No, 100%, dude, 100%. I mean, I, one, you know, absolutely, I mean, everything is good. I support International Women's Day. It should be every fucking day. Like, we shouldn't need a day because we should just honor them in general and they should be equal parts <laughs> of society and, you know, all that uh, stuff. But apparently, I guess we need we need that day, which is kind of sad. But uh, I do support it 100%. I didn't post anything because, to be perfectly fucking frank with you, I was afraid that if I had posted anything, it would, like, make those women a target for people who were looking for targets. You know, oh. like, I didn't... I was afraid that if I started naming people off, then anybody who follows me, or I'm sure there were, you know, bots who were picking up those addresses. And, you know, anybody who was like a malcontent who was looking for targets, I'm like, I'm not going to nominate anybody because I don't want them to be in anybody's fucking crosshairs. And kind of like you said, is like, you know, they know I how I feel about them. I love them, support them and think they're awesome. And I don't need to share that with a bunch of strangers who may have ill will, you know, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to shine a light on somebody like that. And I hate to say it, but like, that's like the reality we live in is like, I would be genuinely afraid that some bot collector would collect all of the hashtag international women's day names. And then all of a sudden people would start getting doxxed again and people would start getting harassed and hate mail and shit. So that was probably the biggest reason I didn't do anything for it. Cause I was, I was honestly a little bit nervous for those women. Um, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I have tons of women who are just friends who have never had any kind of romantic association who never will. And there's no you know unspoken sexual tension or anything like that <laughs> we're just fucking friends like people are just I mean, women are just fucking people dude they're just they are just people there's 50 percent of them in the world and 50 percent of men and like we're gonna have to get along and yeah I mean I have I have many good friends um, like that and we just talk about things I mean especially in my line of work I meet a lot of women in my line of work and we are just either you know work buddies or we know we can depend on each other when we're like teamed up doing a job together or, you know, we just, just chit chat about how's your kids, how's my kids, how's everything? How's your vacations? All good. And just talking about stuff. And it's fine. Like I I love just having people to talk to where there is no I mean I, I mean when fucking Mike Pence said that shit, I was like How it just it wrecked my brain. Like how <laughs> how how do weirdo freak is always like that always end up in some position of power where this guy clearly is either going to sexually assault women or he thinks women are like he's so irresistible that women are not going to be able to control themselves around him. Oh, God, I mean, damn. give me a break, dude. He looks, I mean, yeah, he just, he, he does, he's not that guy. Okay. Like, I don't even know what's going on with that. Fucking weird. But yeah, I, I 100% agree and support and think everybody should have friends of the opposite gender, friends of different, you know, persuasions, whether that's sexual orientation or different nationalities or whatever. I mean, I think it's one thing I feel really lucky about and it wasn't intended, but living in Seattle, it's a pretty diverse place. I mean, I know that some people think it's too white and I think it is pretty white, but I do meet a lot of people who are not white. I meet a lot of queer people. I meet a lot of women and I'm really happy to have all those people in my life. My life is genuinely better because of it. I feel like I'm a better person because of it and I'm really happy that I'm raising my son to be like around that kind of stuff where we meet people who are in drag and it's like totally fucking no big deal at all. Nobody blinks twice at it or we'll meet people who are like, performers, or people who are from another country, and we just talk to them, and it's all cool, and I just i am really fortunate that we have that kind of thing, and those are the values that we are passing on, so I agree with everything you're saying 100%. I wish more people did. I wish, I wish, I wish the country was in a better position. I wish the rest of the country embraced those same philosophies. I wish we were not in the political situation we're in, but, you know, all we can do, really, is is what we can do, and so I hope that by you making those choices, making those relationships, me making my choices, my relationships, that that will have kind of a, a far-reaching effect. And if everybody did something like that, then I think the whole country would change, and then we'd all just be in a better place.
1: Amen to that. So I don't want to like pull us off this topic, but I feel like maybe we should inject some games chat into this but i also have a couple of small game related housekeeping things before we move on do you have yeah yeah yeah. no no let's go ahead we we
0: have we have pontificated i mean i'm sure people are like dying to get to the games oh my god will these guys ever stop patting themselves on the back for being so fucking positive and Diverse on of this shit. Let's oh talk about some games. This is like so. the
1: show. This episode is actually like a throwback to our earlier shows where we did this in every episode where we just like bullshitted for an hour and then talked about games. So we'll just pretend like this is a throwback to our earlier format. It was, uh, we found it in a vault somewhere. It's like one of the lost episodes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, before we jump into games, I have a couple of small housekeeping things. I want to say, um, I don't know if they're going to be permanent, but I have maybe roped in a couple, like literally like two people that I know to listen to the show recently because I'm really bad at, um, sort of like talking about doing the podcast. Like I, like, for example, one of the guys in Atlanta, Julian, um, who I love, uh, we were, when I, I went to Atlanta with Jess Patrick and I, without like a parkour thing a while back, maybe like three or four months ago. And I met up with Julian and one of his friends, Camille, who I also know. And I had like offhandedly mentioned, um, or I think Julian had said something about video games and I said something about playing. It was like right when I was playing Hitman 2. So I think it was back in December. And and Julian and and I have been around each other several times and he was like, you play video games? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I actually co-host a weekly podcast about them and I also write about them. And he was like, what? You play video games? Because everybody knows me as like the parkour photographer guy and I don't really like talk that much when I'm out. So he like, didn't even know that, but I was able to, I posted on Instagram last week about, um, in my Instagram stories about hosting the podcast as I was editing it. And that's something I don't really do much. And one of the guys from Atlanta, Nam, uh, Nom, he is, uh, one of the friends of basically everybody I've been talking about in Atlanta, Um, He like messaged me, and he was like, oh, I'm going to have to listen to your podcast, because he plays a lot of like Call of Duty. He's like a big sort of Call of Duty, like Blackout, Battle Royale kind of guy, and he plays online with the guys in Atlanta. And so he was telling me when I went to Atlanta over the weekend that he listened to our uh, most recent show, uh, Number 121, and he seemed to enjoy it. So uh, Nam, if you're listening, um, hello, and thank you, and welcome to the show, and I hope that you keep listening. But if you don't, I won't hold it against you. And also Levi, who I said lots of nice things about on the podcast last week when I was talking about him playing Resident Evil for the first time, um, I told him that I had talked about him on the show and that he went back and listened to some of the show. I have a feeling he might have just fast-forwarded to the banter and listened to me talk about him in the banter, but (laughs) he said that he was enjoying the show. So Levi, if you're listening, um, thank you for sticking around. Um, I'm really doing the heavy lifting over here, getting us Two new listeners for the show, <laughs> um, but well, I also want to talk about Brad, our our chart topping appearance on iTunes. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, first, thank you for
0: bringing new listeners in the fold. I do try to spread the word whenever possible, and um, ironically, most of the people who are at the theater with me now doing Roman Juliet uh, are gamers. I was surprised to find that many of them are actually pretty serious gamers. So I've been spreading the word and telling people about the podcast and stuff. So hopefully they will uh, give a listen. But yes, let's talk about our uh,
1: dominance of the international <laughs> airwaves. So, so last week I've been really bad lately about like making sure my email is cleaned up. Like every once in a while you see those people on Twitter who post a picture of their iPhone like screen and they have like six thousand emails. I never have that many. But sometimes I get like 500 and I'm like, okay, I really need to sit down and like delete all of these because all they are is like, oh, this stuff's on sale buy this. Like I get so many marketing emails. But I was looking back in our so video games email because, you know, we have our email specifically for the show. Um, I have that in a folder on my phone and I was looking at it. And most of the time, uh, a lot of the emails we get are just from SoundCloud letting us know like about our monthly subscription, you know, got charged or whatever. Well, we had an email from somebody who I didn't know. And I guess it was like, there's like a company out there that monitors like podcasts. And they sent an email and said, like, hello, Symphony Games Podcast. Like, I'm not reading it verbatim, but um, they basically said, your show, like last week, your show was the number 198th top podcast in the games and hobbies category on iTunes, in Switzerland. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how that, that little box got smaller and smaller and smaller with every new descriptor. Western Hemisphere, Northern Europe, Upper East Side, in Switzerland. Like, you know, it's, it's hilarious. That is fucking hilarious. So that's yes, pretty so. special. I, I never saw that coming. I wouldn't have guessed. I guess. I guess. I guess what this says to me is I really want to connect with our fans in Switzerland, because (laughs) if you're a person in Switzerland listening to us, reach out, man. Let us know who you are and say hey, and we'll give you a shout out. And I think we should strengthen those ties.
1: Maybe we could make it to like 150, maybe even top 100. Oh my God, maybe. And I'm wondering too, like, I wonder if we like talked about a game that was maybe developed in Switzerland and like... I don't know, the developer like posted the show somewhere, or maybe like everybody in the office listened to it. Like I'm wondering if it's something like that too, because like I don't you know, cause once you put your content on the internet, anybody can do anything they want with it, basically, and they don't always have to let you know. They're letting people know or credit you or whatever. So I'm wondering if there's like maybe like some kind of like gaming company or like a publishing company or something too that maybe like everybody in the office listened to our show that one week. And then all of a sudden we like shot up on the chart for like a week. Cause by the time I had checked, we were off the chart already. Like we had, cause iTunes only keeps count of the top 200 and we were 198. So, um, you know, we were a few above the bottom, but I, uh, by the time I had looked, cause I had gotten the email like a week before we had already dropped back off the chart. So I'm just interested in knowing like what was it that we talked about or what was the timing that clicked with Switzerland of all places so yeah totally if you're somebody who listened in Switzerland uh, it was probably like episode 120 or 119 i think yeah and you're still around please let us know um if you work for a company for a game that we talked about or something please let us know hopefully um Brad, I'm going to say you because you're the one that usually does this. Hopefully Brad didn't like shit all over a game that you made and then everybody in the office <laughs> oh, listened to it and got pissed wait, off Way wait to throw us. me under the bus, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> that, that was not nice. Wow. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist,
0: Brad. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes. Totally agreed. If, you, if you're responsible for our spike in Switzerland, please let us know if you want to just chat reach out. And, and yeah, that goes for people around the world. Honestly, I am always fascinated by people who listen to podcasts from America when they're not in America. So are you like an expat? Are you like American? You're living overseas? Or are you just a person who, kn- who knows English and you like to listen to American podcasts? I mean, do you just like us for some reason? I mean, I really want to connect with our international listeners. If you're out there and you're in a different country, please reach out and let us know and we'll give you a shout out. And uh, I would love to strengthen international relations any way that I can.
1: International we are the UN of podcasting we're here to strengthen our international relations I mean I think that's pretty clear I don't I don't <laughs> know if anybody else is going to do
0: it it's, it's up to us honestly so so. somebody has to somebody's got to do it so <laughs> all right I think we've probably we've probably filled up enough tape with non-game stuff we should probably talk about some game stuff what do you think
1: yes let's do it okay
0: let's uh Okay, so if you listened this far, you are one of our dearest and most (laughs) hardcore listeners. Thank you for sticking around. I promise we're about to talk about some games. We have two categories today. We have updates of stuff that we've already talked about a billion times, but it's probably worth talking about. And also, we don't have a lot of other things to talk about. And then we have just other stuff. Um, I will probably lead the charge on other stuff. So why don't you start us off with um, the updates, Corey, if that's okay with you. Um, you recently have been playing uh, Mr. Shifty and Singularity 5. You talked about both of those uh, on the last couple of episodes. Uh, I would be curious to see how you're coming along with both of those. How How is Mr. Shifty doing? I know that was one where uh, I was a little bit concerned that there may be something later on that might turn people off, but you were really liking it. So have you hit a sour spot? Are you still liking it? What's up with Mr. Shifty?
1: Um, all right. The good news is I'm still liking it overall. So <clears throat> I'm pretty sure like... I think I'm really close to the end of this game. Like, I I might be, like, a th- one or two levels away. And the last time I... Because I've talked about this game a couple of times on the show. And for those who don't remember or who are new to the show, Mr. Shifty is, like, a top-down, kind of Hotline Miami-esque uh, game. It's on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, PC. It's basically, like you play as a guy who can teleport very nightcrawler-esque like an x-men thing. He can teleport through thin walls, he can teleport around enemies and he only does melee attacks. He can punch and enemies shoot at him, he dies in one hit if he gets punched or if he gets shot. So it's kind of a fast action game, but the teleport mechanic is actually like you know, it's weird whenever you find these games that are like pretty similar to other games and they they have like one tiny difference and it really like freshens up the entire thing and this is like a, kind of a perfect example of that because there are so many especially after hotline miami came became so successful there there's been like a surge in like top-down action games whether it's you know action adventure adventure or more zelda like or roguelikes or something like that um but this is just like straight up it's not a roguelike you just play every level if you die you checkpoint back you know a few like a minute or so um And I reported earlier that there was one fight in particular that I got through on this level. I think it was in level 6. And it was very difficult because it was a really long fight. And if you died at any point in the fight, you basically checkpointed back to the very beginning of it. So I kept getting like 90% through the fight, and then I would die, and I'd have to do the whole thing over again. Probably died like 20 to 30 times on it total. I actually got frustrated and stopped playing the game and then came back a few nights later and ended up beating it on like my fifth try or something then got past it and so far that has still been the most difficult thing I've put up with so far in the game the rest of it's been I mean pretty I wouldn't say it's been like silky smooth and you know easy but it's it's offered a healthy challenge and coming from me that basically means no challenge at all because I'm not really like one of those hardcore like get good gamers But something that maybe I failed to mention before that I want to highlight real quick as I'm talking about it now is um, I put a big focus on the fact that it's kind of like a teleportation, like melee. Um, There is a bit of like strategy and stealth with it too, oddly enough, because you can like lead an enemy down a corridor and then like teleport through a wall into a room next door. And then the enemies will just kind of like lose you and run in circles. So you can like then teleport behind them and punch one, or you can kind of lead one astray. But something else that I really like about this game is that... There's um, there's a lot of stuff that's almost like platforming puzzles in it, but because it's a top-down game, you obviously aren't jumping on platforms, but there's a lot of like laser puzzles where you will be in a room and like and it's totally like, you know, 90s action like ridiculous bullshit because it's like a laser will turn on in the hallway and it'll like chase you down the hall or you'll be down this long corridor and like a laser will be going back and forth in the corridor and you basically have to like teleport on either side of it as you go. And, like, that might sound annoying, but those sections are actually, like, pretty incredible because it offers, like, kind of like a... Not a twitch reflex because you have some time to think about it because I'm terrible with, like, twitch reflex stuff. But it's, like, kind of, like, almost like a QTE in a sense where you have, like, just enough time to think about it and then, you know, teleport on the other side of the, the laser or find a way to maneuver around it. And most of these segments, you're not fighting enemies at the same time. So it's kind of doing a double thing where, like, part of the game is about teleporting around the enemies and combat and kind of like a cat and mouse kind of thing and then part of it you're in these like little pocket areas where you have like you know lasers going off or lasers in hallways or sometimes there's like a there's like a, a turret gun and it'll shoot like heat seeking rockets and it'll shoot a rocket but it, go, it but the rockets move kind of slow so you have to like Teleport like, you have to stay in one place as the rocket trails you and then, like, teleport in order to get the rocket to, like, go into the wall and blow up or something. Or sometimes you can, like, make the rocket circle back into the turret and blow it up. And so it's a cool, like, kind of take on platforming, like, sort of platforming. That's, like, the best thing I can think to say about it in, like, a kind of, like, this top-down environment. And it adds, like, another level of, of sort of, like, freshness to the gameplay. So it's not just... About running and teleporting and punching people, like there's also these cool pockets of like, you know, these like laser puzzles. And it's, it feels, you know, a lot like kind of like quick, like death defying platforming. And I really like that about it. It's something that I probably didn't mention earlier that I wanted to say, but I I really like this game. And I think you would really like it. So I hope that it goes on sale and you get to pick it up at some point. I think I'm really close to the end of it. Um, I did at the level I just got to, though. Brought a new enemy type, and I'm not going to say what it is, but it's the first time I've seen this enemy type in the game. And I have a feeling I'm going to get my ass handed to me about a thousand times over, so I'm a little concerned that it's going to be getting kind of hard from here on out. Um, my only big complaint, I can't remember if I said this before or not, is that every level in the game, like you start at the beginning of the level and you go through different corridors, and there's kind of like little checkpoints between every corridor. So maybe a room will consider, or a level will consist of maybe like, 10 different rooms and there's a checkpoint between every room or like the screen blacks out, the new level, the new section loads. The big thing that I do not like about this game is say if I start a level, there's 10 rooms or 10 hallways in it. I get to the ninth hallway and either I die a bunch or I'm just tired of playing or whatever. And if you quit the game, the game only checkpoints you at the beginning of the level if you die or if you if you turn the game off if you die you checkpoint to that hallway if you quit the game you have to load the entire level so there there have been several times where i'm like i'll start a level and i'll be like okay well i should probably stop cuz i don't want to get 90% through this level die a bunch or you know get frustrated or you know just be tired and not want to play anymore And then know that if I quit the game, I'm going to have to play through everything I just did in order to get back up to the point that I was. I wish, I wish so bad that this game would just keep the checkpoint between the spaces and not between the levels themselves if you quit the game. I don't know why they didn't implement that. I think that's really annoying because it actually works against the game and it makes me, whenever I finish a level, it makes me want to quit the game rather than keep playing it. Um, Because and sometimes I'll get like halfway through a level and I'll be like, okay, well, I've made it this far. Like I can't stop now. And maybe like that's the attitude they were going after. But more often than not, I'll finish a level. And instead of saying, man, I really want to play more, I'll say, actually, maybe I need to put this down because I might not have like the willpower to finish this entire level right now. And I know if I don't. I'm going to get most of the way through it and then have to do it all over again if I I quit the game later. So that's like the big thing that I think is kind of puzzling about the way that they, I guess, just implemented like the saving and loading and checkpoint system. But I mean, the levels aren't long. So it's not like you have to play like 45 minutes, you know, if you quit the level. Most levels are like, 10 to 15 minutes long so it's not like you're losing a ton of progress but some of those sections are challenging and if you you know get through two challenging sections get to the end of level die a bunch or you just don't want to play anymore and then you have to do those challenging sections over again it gets a little bit tedious um but that's kind of my big complaint but so far everything else is great i like this game i'm sad that it took me like two years to discover that this game existed because i kind of wish i would have been hot on it like when it came out um but I like it. Mr. Shifty still gets two um, teleporting thumbs up from me so far.
0: Excellent. Well, that sounds good. I'm definitely interested. I'm just waiting for it to go on sale. Um, it hasn't been on sale. I've been checking at least once or twice a week and nothing yet. But I'm sure, you know, it seems like the Switch has like constant sales and a lot of sales, um, which is good, which is cool. I like that. It makes me um, experiment with a lot of stuff. Uh, not always to happy result, as we are soon to discover. <laughs> a little bit later in this episode. But I'm glad that you like that one. I'm glad it seems pretty good. I was going to ask, that new enemy type that you mentioned, is it is it uh, Spider-Crabs?
1: It is not Spider-Crabs. <clears> okay, <throat> good. It is okay, good because good, I was
0: like, oh, did Cory hit his quit point? Is he out? Is he done?
1: Uh, it just turned <clears throat> into like a horror game all of a sudden. That's where everybody, had, that's why I got bad reviews. It just went from this top-down action game right into a Spider-Crab horror game, and everybody just stopped, and that's it.
0: <laughs> all right, well, cool, cool, cool. Uh, That sounds really good. Now you have one other quick update. Uh, Singularity 5, we talked about that uh, on the last show. This was the one that had really cool design. It was a VR game. It was like really, really cool, but then it turned out to be like like a dumbass wave shooter, correct?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't call it a dumbass wave shooter, but I would say that it is a game with beautiful design. Uh, I talked about on this episode saying that if It looked like if the guy from Dyson and people from Apple and Alexander McQueen and Gareth Pugh came together and designed a game, this is what it looks like. Unfortunately, all of this beautiful design is housed in a wave shooter. A competent wave shooter, but a wave shooter nonetheless. So I played this, I played it once again since the last episode. And I remember saying on the last episode that it's only five levels, so it's not very long. There's not a bunch of scope in this game. I got to the fourth level whenever I played it last time. And whenever I loaded up the fourth level, I decided you know, I'm going to put this on easy mode because I was having a little bit of difficulty on medium and easy mode is something they patched in because they were getting feedback that people said the game was too hard. So now there's an easy medium and hard mode. I originally played on medium. I started level four on easy because I just, you know, I like, I don't need to cut my teeth on a fucking wave shooter. Like, come on, man. Like this is not, that's not what I'm in for right now. So, and level four, there's a, Fucking boss at the end of the level. And normally, like bosses are okay, whatever. Like it kind of mixes up the monotony of a wave shooter. It's like this big well designed, I want to add. Everything about this game is well designed. It's kind of like a big, like kind of like scorpion drone thing, which sounds weird, but it looks really cool. And like the boss battle goes in these waves where the boss itself doesn't actually move. It's maybe like a hundred feet in front of you. It's this kind of towering, like scorpion-looking thing but there are these turrets. There's like four turrets on either side of you. And then some of the other drones come in. So what happens is the turrets turn on. You have to like shoot the turrets a certain number of time to power them down. Meanwhile, there's like the other kind of like drone enemies coming in. So you have like a wave of like the lesser enemies. You defeat those. And then the scorpion drone thing starts powering up. And it has like kind of like a stinger, like a scorpion stinger that kind of like, it like pulls the stinger out and you have to shoot the stinger. It's very like Resident Evil shoot the glowing red thing kind of boss battle. And you shoot the stinger a certain amount of times and then the drone like powers down, the scorpion drone. And then you have to do like the turret wave and then the scorpion wave and then the turret wave. And I, I, it wasn't like super hard, but it was still felt kind of overwhelming on easy mode. And to, to, the, to the point at which I was like, man, like, is is this really, like, they patch this easy mode in, and it's still, like, kind of hard, a little frustrating. And most of the time in boss battles, like, you know, you would think you do, they come in threes, generally. Like, you do three turret waves, you know, coincide that with three of the the scorpion stinger rays, and then, you know, the boss is done. I'm pretty sure I got up to, like, the fifth wave of turrets and the stinger thing, and, like, the... Scorpion drone thing did not explode yet. Like I could see it was like breaking down. There were like cracks and it's like beautiful, like pristine ceramic armor. Like it was getting damaged over the course of the boss battle. But I was just getting tired. Like in a wave shooter, this is gonna make me sound like the fattest piece of shit on the planet. (laughs) But in a wave shooter, in VR, you're standing in the middle of the room, you're holding your arms up straight up in front of you, because you have guns, you have to point them and shoot them. And this sounds miserable, and I know I need to go to the gym and lift weights. My arms were so fucking tired from holding them up and shooting these turrets over and over again and shooting the boss's stinger over and over again. And after, like, the second wave, I was like, man, I'm getting kind of tired. And then I got to the third wave, and I was like, surely this is it. We're on easy mode here. And then, like, the turrets came back on for the fourth wave, and I was like, are you serious? How much longer are we going to do this? Singularity five? Like, maybe it's five rounds because it's Singularity five. And then I think I... I might have died on the fifth wave, maybe. And whenever I died, I was like, I have no desire to try that again. Like, I like the game is beautiful, the music's good, I love the design. But if you're gonna put me in a room with a boss battle, all I'm doing is shooting waves of turrets and then shooting like this cool like scorpion drone stinger thing. But like after three times of me, and it's not like I had bad aim and was like missing the stinger. Like I was shooting the stinger so many times that it was powering itself back down. And, like, we got to, like, the fifth wave, and I was like, this is too much, man. Like, the game's design is enough to sell it for people who are into wave shooters. I don't think this game needs to be that hard, especially on easy mode. Like, if they patched in easy mode to make it easier, it's not easy. Like, easy mode is not easy, first of all. So that's, like, a big, like, misnomer. And I... I just, like, want—like I said last week, the game is so beautiful, and it seems like it was so carefully and meticulously designed that I wish it it were, like, anything but a wave shooter. I mean, there's a lot of genres I wouldn't want it to be. Like, I wouldn't want it to be roguelike. I wouldn't want it to be other stuff. But, like, a wave shooter is just not what I want this game to be. I want to do other stuff in this universe other than stand in one room and hold my arms up so long that they get tired and that I feel like taking a nap. Like, that's not the kind of game that I want to play. But with that aside, it is still beautiful. I still think it's gorgeous. I like the music still. I wish they would turn this into like a wave shooter. Or so, or not a wave shooter, like a like a rhythm shooter or something. Like if they did like a like a beat saber version of this game, but with like wave shooting and the good music they have, I think it would be impeccable. But as like a drone wave shooter, I just don't, I don't think it's good enough. They, I said this last week and I'll say it again. The game's design deserves a better game than what it is.
0: You know, after last week's episode, we had this VR discussion, and you were kind of singing its praises and stuff, and then I had some some people on Twitter, some of our uh, lovely fans, who were like, oh, oh, sounds like Brad's changing his mind on VR. You know, he used to think it was just tech demo garbage, but now he sees that there's some games that are out there, we're going to get Brad into VR by 2020. And the discussion we just had set that back by five years. <laughs> Listening to the shit you were just saying, I'm like, nope. 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 You can fucking forget that. I'm, none of, like, none of that sounds good. None of that sounds good. And I was just like, I mean, I, no. I was no, I have nothing else to say except for uh, you guys will not get me into VR after that. I mean, no, it's, it's a shame because not only is it, I mean, you keep saying it's a well-designed game. I totally believe you and I know you have good taste. I mean, I, I appreciate your, your artistic eye when it comes to stuff like that. I think we uh, coincide uh, with a lot of the things that we think are cool in games, uh, at least as far as visuals. But I just, just that whole description that you just gave. Standing in a room with your arms straight up. Like, just listening to that made me tired, dude. I'm like, I can't. I just, no, I can't do this, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, I have a couple updates, and I'm, I am I hate to say it, but I have to do the exact thing that I hate doing. Oh, no. Co- uh, yep, you know it. You know it. A couple episodes ago, I said, oh, I hate to be the guy that gives you a positive review on the sh-. Well, not, you, you know, impressions, impressions. I hate to be the guy that gives positive impressions on a show after after the beginning and then comes back the next week after somebody listening to the show has bought the game and then I say oh actually this game sucks and I'm gonna have to do that literally right now no yes I am I I hate to do it but I I listened back to what I said about ape out last week ape out which is currently a critical favorite a lot of people really like in that game um, a lot these days So I liked it a lot too in the beginning and I went back to listen to what it said and I gave it a very favorable impression on last week's show. But ironically, I did that literal thing that I just said I hate doing. I kept playing the game after I talked about it on the show. I didn't know how long the game was or how much was ahead of me. I just was playing as I was going. Uh, I completed what I thought, I mean, I guess what I thought was the entire game and I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. That was pretty short and it got in and out. It made its point and that was really fun ape got out, made it to the jungle and I was feeling feeling good about that experience. And then it's like world 1 over. Now world 2 and I'm like, "Oh, I, I don't know that I really wanted more of that, but um okay." And then turn come to find out that each level so each world is I think it's eight levels so that there's probably 32 levels altogether, which may not sound like a lot, but it feels like a lot. And I mean, <laughs> I thought I was done after eight. Like I I like if credits had rolled, I would have been like, "Oh cool." I liked it. Um, but when I got to the second set of eight levels, I was like, oh, I'm just doing the exact same thing again. But the enemies are now more obnoxious and I feel like it's harder. Uh, I didn't need it to be harder and I wasn't looking to do more of it because it does. the gameplay doesn't evolve. Like what I described last week, uh, Ape Out is a kind of a hotline Miami-ish top-down game where you play as a gorilla, very abstract graphics, and you can either push people away and smush them or you can grab them. And use them as human shields. That's basically the entire game in a nutshell. Uh, so after eight levels of that, I was like, "Good, that was fine. That was that was fun." Um, but I started to get really, really tired of it on the second set of eighteen levels or second set of eight levels. Uh, and I got done with that, and I'm like, "I'm done. Like, I I don't want to play anymore. This this is literally the same thing I'm doing over and over and over, just more of it." And nothing really changed about the gameplay. It didn't get more complex or different. It just got harder. Like the enemies got more obnoxious and it just felt like I was just, it, it, it's like, it's like a good game multiplied by four. And like, it didn't need to be multiplied by four. Like I thought the first eight levels were good. So I didn't finish it. I got tired of it. I started getting irritated and I just deleted it. I, I just, I'm done with it. So I'm not going to finish it. I'm not going to go through all 32 levels. Uh, it just ran out of tricks really soon and one of the things that I hate most about a game is if it does if it does not end by the time it runs out of tricks. And this game ran out of tricks like within the first eight levels and still had 24 more levels to go. So that was not great. Um looking at it now, I would absolutely say, I mean if you're really really super interested, get it when it's on dirt cheap sale, but like that first quarter of the game is really all you need out of that experience. Um so I I ended up being kind of disappointed with it. Also, uh, I did not even realize that the soundtrack is an important part of this game because I play the Switch when I'm at work or when I'm in bed. And I usually have the sound off because either my wife is next to me sleeping and she's a very light sleeper or I'm at work where I need to be paying attention. And if someone calls my name, I need to be able to hear it. So I can't have headphones on and I can't be distracted by noise. Like I need to be paying attention. So I never have the sound on the Switch when I'm playing Switch. And people were like, you didn't even mention the soundtrack. And I'm like, what about it? And they're like, it's a totally (laughs) reactive, um, dynamic, jazz based. You're like, you're missing half the game if you're not listening to the sound. And I'm like, well, that sucks because I think a game should be fun without the soundtrack. Like I think soundtracks are fine and I don't have anything against them. But if your game is only fun when the soundtrack is on, then you've got a problem with your game. Um, So apparently... I, you know, some kind of jazz music plays or something. And as you attack guys, I guess it changes how the sound comes out or cymbals crash or something. I don't know. I didn't have an opportunity to listen to it. And I was really sick of the game by the time that somebody told me about that. So I guess heads up, um, if you want to check out Ape Out, the sound is a huge part of that experience. And I had no idea. Uh, the game doesn't tell you that and, uh, it, there's no real clue. So I guess they just assume that everybody's playing with the sound on, which I don't think is a safe assumption for people like me. And, you know, we have a lot of, uh, deaf players who come to game critics and they will not have access to the soundtrack. So the soundtrack is, is what makes that game fun. Then I think that game needs to go back to the drawing board. So I, I thought the first eight levels were great. And then after that, I didn't want anymore. So ultimately I think maybe Ape Out was too shallow and too much to get through, ended up not liking it very much. Hate
1: to disappoint you, man. I, I, I am, first of all, I am disappointed. Second of all, I'm still going to keep my eye out for this game because I, I had like seen screenshots of it and then, and like vaguely knew what it was about. And I wanted to hear you talk about it last time, which I told you about. And then after we talked about it, I looked at, I watched like a handful of like bits of trailers online for it. Just like maybe like 15 seconds worth of my life. I spent watching some like videos of it online and it looks fabulous in motion and I still want to play this, even though I might end up with the same conclusion that you did. And I even have, like, less of a threshold for this kind of stuff than you do, which is problematic here. Um, but I, I'm still going to keep my eye on it. I still want to play it, um, but I will probably wait for it to hit, like, a steep as heck sale before I pick it up. But I'm still interested.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the way to do it. Go into it knowing what you're in for. I mean, I had, I was thinking this was going to be a tiny indie and I would have been fine with that. I was very surprised to see how much content there was, but it's just the same content over and over. I, I, it, it genuinely does not have enough going on to justify how long it is. And I know some people said that they could blast through it in an hour or two and it was done. Uh, I found the game to be harder than that. Like, I mean, maybe those guys are savants or something, but like, I was dying and retrying a lot, um, especially once I got to the second Cluster Worlds, and I did not think it was a cakewalk. I did not think it was that easy. It was difficult to the point of being frustrating. I I ended up really just like walking away and being not sorry that I deleted it, Uh so definitely wait for a super sale. Um, The other thing, which will come as no surprise to you, uh, Daggerhood, which I also talked about last episode. Uh, as being a really punishing 2D platformer with a cool idea of a character that teleports to where they throw their dagger. Still a cool idea, and I really liked it, but I ended up stopping about a third of the way through and just deleting it because it got so fucking hard. Um, And I did emphasize that on the show. I was pretty clear that it was punishingly difficult and that you had to really be kind of a masochist to get into it. Um, It just kept spiking. Like The difficulty just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and the things I was supposed to be doing just got, like, more and more and more challenging, and I think that it started off at a very challenging place. Like, it does not start off as a cakewalk at all. Um, I think you have to be, like, really proficient at platformers to even get through the first couple of worlds on that game, and it just it just got to a point where I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, who made this game? Why? What is wrong with them? Because, like, it's just, it was just really torturous to get through some of those levels, uh, and I just, I got to a point where I just was working so hard and just, like, putting out so much effort to get through a level. And then the next level will just inevitably be harder. And I'm like, I just, <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, so I got through a third of it. I think it's a cool idea. If they scaled back on the difficulty, I think it would be a great experience, but it's way too fucking hard. And I just, I had to bow out. So I just wanted to follow up with both of those things um, to give people kind of a better sense of how that arc for me was, because I know that I can sometimes start out really positive. And a lot of games start out positive because honestly, that's how game development is. Most people are going to see the beginning of your game, so you work on the beginning, you polish it up really well, and the middle and tail end is where a lot of people bow out. So less work is done on those, and that's usually when the games start getting really bad. So I think that was um, kind of true with both of these games. I'm sad to say, but uh, there we go. So um, I so that's what we have for updates, folks. Um, I have a bunch of other stuff to kind of run through because I was looking for stuff to talk about on the show. And I ended up bouncing around from game to, game to game to game to game to game, and I just was never able to settle on anything, but I figured I would at least mention the stuff that I tried so that listeners would know I was doing my due diligence and I wasn't just, like, fucking around and not trying to find <laughs> stuff for the show. That's what so, I did all week. <laughs> oh, my God. Man. Uh, so if it's okay with you, Corey, I'm just going to go through this list really quickly. I've only got, like, one or two sentences for each game, and then that's that's basically all I've got to say. So is that okay if I do a little rapid-fire dismissal of, session here? Oh, boy. Of
1: course. Yeah, Maybe. these, are, these Maybe one these of these games awesome. was developed in Switzerland and we will get another boost there.
0: Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't do the research, but hopefully we'll hit a Swiss game and then we'll see what happens. Um, so first off, I played Ghoul Boy, which looked like a cute little sort of a Ghouls and ghosts asks 2D platformer, kind of a fantasy theme to it. Uh, the controls were fucked up. Um, I don't know why anybody... It's so weird when people put jump on like random buttons. Some developers put it on like the top button on the face button. Some people put it on the bottom. Some people put it on the right. And it's like, please, can we all just like settle? Or if you're not going to settle, <laughs> let me change the fucking yes, buttons. I don't let think us it's remap too much. The yes, motherfucking remap controls. the controls. That game had like three buttons, okay? And I was playing it on the Switch. There's like a shitload of buttons on the Switch. You could not remap the controls. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I just, it was hard for me to control because the the controls were like assigned to like really weird buttons. Um, The gameplay was really not compelling. I think it's a, I don't want to say it's a roguelike, but it seems like it's one of those you've got three levels and then you go back to the start, regardless of where you are sort of a game. Like like a really old school kind of a 2D platformer thing. Um, They didn't give you very much information. I wasn't really sure about what the ins and outs of it were. I got really frustrated with controls and it just seemed like really kind of like a really not very interesting indie. So I bounced off of that pretty quickly. Um, And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to stop me. Otherwise, I'm just going to roll through because there's not really like a lot to say on some of these. So feel free to stop me if you want to, uh, you know, talk about anything I raise here. Okay. Um, The next thing is a big one that is probably going to be on a lot of people's game of the year list. It will not be on my game of the year list. It's Tetris 99. Have you
1: heard about this one, Corey? Oh, yeah. This is like, correct me if I'm wrong. This is like Nintendo Switch's Tetris Battle Royale. Is that what this is? absolutely what it
0: is it sounds crazy but that's literally what it is uh it's free to play on the switch you download it you have to have the nintendo online membership thing or else it doesn't work uh which i found out when my son tried to play it and could not play it so you must have the online membership uh but if you have that and you download the game for free you're basically playing tetris against 99 other people in a battle royale thing where you just there are little options to it where you can choose who to target like you can target like um so when you make matches, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm getting all ahead of myself here. I'm assuming everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast knows what Tetris is. I probably don't have to explain that. God, I hope so. I mean, I would hope so. Like, what else are you doing listening? If, you've never, if you don't know what Tetris is and you're listening to this podcast, that's unexpected and strange. But thank you for being here. <laughs> so what happens is, as you make block combinations, as you, as you get rid of lines on Tetris, you create garbage blocks for other people. And so you can send those garbage blocks to people who are targeting you. You can send them to whoever is in the lead. You can send them to somebody who has a badge, which I'm not really quite sure what that is. And there's like, there's like four choices you can make, which kind of determine who you're attacking as you make matches. Uh, there's no tutorial for it, which I think is stupid. I hate any game that doesn't have a tutorial. So I think that in this particular case, that would have been very useful to explain what the hell is going on. Uh, but basically you just play Tetris, but at the same time <clears throat> on the sides of, of your screen, you'll see like all these other people playing Tetris at the exact same time as you. And you'll see who's targeting you because little lines go from your screen to their screen. And so you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. And you just play Tetris, and that's basically what it is. I tried it a couple times and I just died really quickly because people were either attacking me or I just couldn't keep up with the garbage blocks or whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like I kind of wish there was just a play by yourself Tetris mode, because I was like, oh, I love Tetris. Tetris is really fun. I would like to just play Tetris, but there's no mode where you can just play by yourself. It's like you play against other people all the time. Uh, And I didn't want to do that. I don't think that's very fun. I didn't want to do Battle Royale all the time. And if there had been a solo Tetris mode, I would have happily had that and gone on my merry way. But they do not have that here. And it's just Battle Royale Tetris. Exactly what it is. Exactly how that sounds. Uh, A lot of people are really loving it. I think it's fine. It's not for me. And I don't think I will ever play it again. And now I just want to play solo Tetris, which I don't know where I'm going to play that. But. Anyway, um,
1: you think I I you think you're gonna try this, Corey? I mean, you got to switch. You gonna jump into this? Um, I will. I, I was intrigued by it whenever I heard about it, but I'm not doing the Nintendo Online thing. So basically, that's like a big no for me. Like, cause don't you have to pay for that?
0: Yeah, it's like four dollars a month or something or I don't even, I don't. I mean to be honest with you I don't even know how much it is I just signed up for it and I've been ignoring <laughs> it ever since I should probably follow up and see how much money I'm actually spending on it um, okay well I mean I guess if
1: it's cheap that's not a big deal but like I know that I'm not gonna play Switch games online probably like if there's like a big game that came out and you and I were like oh we should try to play this together or something that I might like go in for it but I'm not gonna pay a monthly fee just to try it. Tetris an online Tetris game um, like if it came out on like PlayStation 4 I'm, I'd probably give it a shot because like our Patrick SPS plus which like extends to my account um, so I like might give it a shot there but I'm not going to like sign up for Nintendo's online service just for like this one game that I might play for like a half an hour and then maybe never play again so as of now no but if I if I get the online service in the future for any reason I'll definitely give it a shot but I'm not going to get it just for this That was basically what
0: happened. I played it for like 15, 20 minutes. I did three or four matches and I'm like, okay, I get the idea. This is irritating. I don't like to compete with people in Tetris. And I mean, honestly, I am often in places where there's no good Wi-Fi connection. So you wouldn't even be able to play it there anyway. Um, I don't like feeling like tied to the Wi-Fi when I take my Switch places. So I usually look for things that do not require an online connection. So that would kind of like rule that out for me regardless. So yeah, I deleted that. It's fine. I mean, it's not terrible or anything. It's just not for me. And I just have no interest in continuing. Uh, moving on, I picked up Tower of Babel. Uh, it is a, I mean, very like mobile-ish kind of a game where you are a little person. You're a knight who needs to climb these towers. And you know me and towers. I have a weakness for towers. So you, it's kind of like an, uh, I know, like an infinite runner kind of a game where you just, your guy keeps running no matter what, and you can steer him. Uh, it's interesting because the level progression is, is curious. Like in the first level, it's almost like a side scrolling 2d on the second level, you take more of a three quarters perspective. And then on the third level, it becomes kind of a behind the back runner. So I thought that was pretty neat the way that it changed perspective. And it, it did change the flavor of how you're running. Um, but you, you're basically just running up a tower, dodging spikes, grabbing gems, and then running back down. That's all there is to it. Uh, I finished the first couple of clusters of worlds and I'm like, okay, this is fine. And I'm done with it. Like there's nothing else really for me (laughs) to be really engaged with. So if you want to look for a tower climber or an infinite runner, Tower of Babel, I think I bought it for like $1.25. So I don't regret the purchase, but it's not something I'm going to be putting a lot of time into. Uh, After that, I picked up a game called I Want to Fly, which I had no idea what it was, but it was also like 99 cents or something. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll gamble a buck and see what this is. Uh, I don't even know what it is. Honestly, it's some kind of a game. I'm assuming it's an iOS port where you get dropped out of a plane and I think you're like a penguin and then you fall and you just like tap the screen to do something. And it was just (laughs) there was no tutorial. There was no explanation. There may be more to it. And I just was like, I don't I I don't want to just tap my screen. That's not fun interaction. I thought maybe it would be humorous or maybe like Clever, or maybe there would be something to it, or you know, but it just ended up being one of those hey, I made this in my basement on my spare time and I put it on the iOS store and I ported it to Switch because I could kind of a thing. So I bailed out of that pretty quickly. Um, Same thing goes for Grab Lab. Uh, I'm guessing this is probably also an iOS port. What you do is you take a person who walks in a specific direction around um, the walls of a room, like floor, ceiling, wall, you know, floor, wall, ceiling, wall. They walk in a circle, and there are little items that you have to grab in the middle of the room. And so when you push your button, he shoots out a grappling hook. And I do like grappling hooks. Oh my that's God. Kind of oh
1: my God. Towers to and grappling hooks in one episode. Yep. That's exactly. It. I bought Tower Babel because it was a
0: tower. I bought Grab Lab because there was a grappling hook. They know how to get me, Corey. They know my weaknesses. Would you say they know
1: how to hook you?
0: Oh god, they did. They did know how to hook me. It was pretty bad. So I was like, "Oh, grappling hook. Okay, I'm down." Um, but what you do is the guy walks around the walls in the room, and the ceiling, and the floor. You push the button to send out the grappling hook. If you push it at the right time, he will. The grappling hook will grab onto something, and he will grab the thing, and he'll be pulled onto like whatever's in the middle of the room. So, if, say for example, you're in a square room. And then inside the middle of the room, there's like a square that's floating there. This is 2D, by the way. Mm-hmm. So like you can go from the outer walls, grapple the, the middle square, and then you're inside the, the middle square and you're walking around that little, the middle square. This is,
1: I'm not making any sense. I think you're making perfect
0: sense. Keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm listening to myself talk and I'm like, I'm just talking. <laughs> I, I'm just making words. I don't think I'm making any kind of sense. So whatever surface you grab onto, he will start walking in one direction on that surface. And so you need to keep grappling at the right time in order to get him to, to grapple onto different parts of the room, um, as you may imagine, there are spikes and like lasers and all sorts of dangerous stuff. And I was just like, okay, this is fine, but I'm just I'm I'm kind of done with avoiding spikes for a while. Like I don't want to play any more games where like that is your main interaction is like avoiding death by spikes. I got a lot of that uh, with Daggerhood, and I'm just I'm kind of done with that for a while. So I was like, okay, this is fine. It's it's very iPhone esque. It's probably okay if you're doing it. With you know with a thumb as you're standing in line at the bank or something but i don't i'm looking for something a little bit deeper on the switch not really a fan of that um the next one was one i had actually been waiting for for a long time called super brothers sword and sorcery have you heard of this one
1: yeah actually i I will report back when you finish your spiel but i did play this or play some of it uh back on my ipad because it came out years ago on iphone and ipad and it was like a huge hit is it on switch now it is on Switch now. So that is exactly where I played it. OK, tell me about it.
0: Yeah, so I was very excited because it was, I believe it was co-produced by Cappy Games. Uh, and it was also worked on by somebody, I forget their name, but somebody who was really well-known for their game music. Um, so again, this is a situation where I didn't have the sound on, so I couldn't appreciate the soundtrack. So whatever. Uh, and I was just focused solely on the game, the gameplay part of it. Um, I like the look of it. It's a, so it was originally an iPad, iPhone game. Uh, it's a 2D, very heavily stylized pixel based fantasy world where you play as a knight uh, or a soldier or warrior or something. I mean, you're like 42 pixels. It's kind (laughs) of hard to tell what you are. Uh, you go to get this magic book and by getting this magic book, you unleash this badness and then you need to fix what you've done. Um, seems like a cool premise. I really like the visuals a lot. Like hyper stylized pixels is something that I like. And so I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And I knew a lot of people really love this game from back in the day. So I was very excited to see it finally hit switch. Uh, But it is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Um, So I guess number one, this is probably one of those ones where half the people say the soundtrack is where it's at. And if you can't listen to the soundtrack, that's probably a problem. I couldn't listen to the soundtrack, so that wasn't a draw for me. Uh, Beyond that, I found that the main interaction was like very puzzly. And it's the kind of game where you have to like experiment with what's going on to figure out what you're supposed to do and how to even interact with things. Like sometimes it's like, click on a thing. Sometimes it's hold a thing. Sometimes it's hold and then swipe on a thing. Um, And you're kind of doing that with a D-pad. I don't know if the touch controls work. They may work. They may not. I think I was just using just the D-pad and the controls. Um, But I just got to, and it's not a long game. I mean, people told me it's very short, which is fine, but I got to like the second major chunk of it. And I just couldn't figure out like what to do, like how I was supposed to interface with the game. Uh, I was like, I mean, it's one of those abstract, I mean, I'm sure it was fine on the phone when you were back in the day when you were like, oh, this is so neat and innovative. And I shake my phone or I touch my phone or I use the accelerometer in my phone or something like that. Um, I don't know that it necessarily translates that well to the switch and to be perfectly honest, and this is a me, not you sort of thing. And I mean the game, not you. Uh, I just wasn't in the mood for like trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Like I'm not really a fan of that in general. Um, I like to be able to understand mechanics and just interface with like puzzles that are more standard or just to have some action or something. Just the whole, ooh, there's something on the screen that's here for you, but you got to figure out where it is and <laughs> what it is. And is it a swipe? Is it a tap? Is it a hold? Is it a double click? Is it a click? I mean, I'm like, I don't, fuck off. I just don't <laughs> care. I just, I just was not in the mood for it. I was super not in the mood for it. Um, it felt very cryptic and kind of unapproachable, so I bailed out of it pretty quickly. And I got to say, I was really disappointed. I was expecting kind of a more of a standard sort of a pixely action game. And I'm kind of bummed that it wasn't that. Uh, but again, that's about me, not the game. I mean, you know, the game is what it is. And I think I had some expectations. And also I just was in the mood for what this is not. So I mean, fair play, I guess. We went our separate ways
1: deleted it, probably will not come back. So so
0: you said you dipped in a little bit. Did you like what you saw or why did you not finish it back in the day?
1: Well, would you believe me if I told you that back when I played it on iPad with, and this was in like 2011 or 12, um, it was also not intuitive on an iPad. So I stopped playing it too. It sounds like you and I had very similar experiences with this game because whenever I played it, it came out, I think it was like 2011 or 2012, it came out and it was like It was just one of those indie games that was, like, all the rage. All of a sudden, like, everybody was talking about it. Everybody loved it. And I was like, well, yeah, I want to get in on this. And I had, like, just, like, because basically when I graduated from college, I, like, graduated, then my birthday was a few months later. And I basically used, like, birthday money to buy an iPad. And that was, like, the big thing that I wanted because I thought it would, like, elevate my life status if I had one, which I did get a lot of use out of it. I don't really use it anymore. But I bought an iPad, so I, like, had a new iPad and, like, this cool game came out, and I bought it, and I, yeah, I, like, didn't know what to do, like, it's, my, our experiences sound pretty much exactly the same, like, I like the way it looked, um, I did pay attention to the music in it, it was Jim Guthrie that did the music for it, and- That's
0: right, that's right, thank you.
1: Yeah, and, like, the music is good, like, I know you said you don't usually play with sound on, but the music actually is a pretty good draw, and I wouldn't say that you need the music to enjoy the game, but I do think it, you know, gives it kind of a leg up, but- I had the same experience, like I played it and the game, at least back when I played it, who knows if it's a little bit different now, but judging from what you said, it doesn't really sound like it. Um, I don't really remember the game like tutorializing itself very well. So I didn't like really know what to do. You just kind of have to, it's just one of those games where you just kind of have to like turn it on and figure out what to do. And like, sometimes that works out really well. And sometimes it doesn't work out really well. And I remember like trying it and just, like, getting to a certain point. And I think I was actually at some kind of, like, like boss battle or something. Like, I remember getting to some kind of, I want to say it was, like, a mushroom boss or something. Like, I can't even remember because it was, God, it was almost, like, a decade ago. But um, But I remember playing it, and I, like, died a couple times. And I couldn't, like, the game wasn't doing me any favors. Like, it wasn't really telling me what to do. It didn't really make a showcase of like what the interactions with the screen. Because like on an iPhone or an iPad, it was just touch controls. Like you didn't have buttons or there weren't virtual buttons or anything. So I like wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure where to go. I wasn't really sure like what the flow of the game was. And I feel like it's kind of one of those games where like you have to like know someone who's played it already, who's like figured it out. And then they can just kind of like give you the down low on like what everything does and how to play it and like i didn't really know anybody who was playing it at the time i don't think or nobody that i like bothered to reach out to and i mean you shouldn't have to do that in the first place the game should kind of like let you know what's going on but yeah i remember playing it back on the ipad and like kind of getting into it for a minute and then like you know i played it for maybe like a half an hour maybe maybe an hour total like you know with checkpoints and stuff and Yeah, I just, like, didn't really know what to do. And I didn't really know what the point of the game was. I didn't really know how to interface with it that well. And, like, maybe that was me being thick. Or maybe it was the game, like, not, you know, giving, showing its hand very well. Um, But it's also one of those games that, like, I, like, I've talked about this on the show before, where, like, you play a game and it's bad. And then, like, five years later, you want to play it again to see if it really was bad or if maybe you were just bad. Like, this is one of those games, like, if I saw it on Switch really cheap, I would probably buy it again and just be like, okay, I have matured in like the eight years since I played this game. Like I remember my first go around because every once in a while I play a game that I don't get on with. And then I try it like a year or two later and suddenly like this would happen with Fallout 3 for me. I fucking hated Fallout 3. The first time I played it, I came back to it like two years later and now it's one of my favorite games of all time. I don't think (laughs) Super Brothers is gonna be my favorite game of all time, but like I would be interested in coming back to it and just like giving it a second shot and seeing if you know, there's just something I didn't quite get the first time around, or maybe the game is slightly different now than it was on the iPad when I played it back in like 2011 or so. Um, But yeah, I mean, for first time, my first run, it seems like you and I were pretty much in the exact same place because I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really know how to interface with the game very well. It was not very intuitive. It was beautiful. The music was good. The game has a really... Like, it has a lot of charm to it. It's really charming. It's really atmospheric. It's very kind of cutesy, too. And I really appreciate that stuff about it. But, I mean, kind of like Singularity Five. like, your game has to be more than just a good atmosphere. And I felt like this... I I wasn't quite getting enough of it out of Super Brothers to want to keep playing it. So, yeah, I just stopped at a certain point and never went back.
0: Yeah, this sounds like we had, like, literally the exact same experience. (laughs) Um, I think you have to be kind of like... uh, in the right, I mean, I was gonna say you have to be an indie hipster, and I think that's not. I think that's unfair of me. I don't. I don't want to say that you have to be an indie hipster to get into this game, but I think you have to be a little bit of an indie hipster to get into this game. Um, it's it's pretty. It holds you at a distance. Um, it does look cute. It's got a good atmosphere. I mean, everything you said is, is great, and I I did want to like it. Like looking at it in screenshots, I'm like, oh, this looks like my kind of thing. Like I like these kind of things. Um, so I guess I'm also a bit of an indie hipster, I suppose. But yeah, just it just I don't like. I don't like games where I don't understand how to interface with them or I don't have a clear idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. It just feels like a waste of time. And like that process of, hey, I'm going to have the gamer figure out what they're supposed to do in terms of like how the mechanics work or what this game wants them to do is just not a fun place for me to be. There's like there's just life is too short for that stuff as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, I mean, pick it up if you want. I, it's probably going to be the exact same thing. And if you do, I would be curious to hear but I don't, don't expect to have a big turnaround on that one. A um, couple more things, then we'll wrap it up here. I played Beaker, B-E-E-K-Y-R, Beaker, 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 I
1: don't know. Beaker like a, is reloaded? it a Beaker, like a science Beaker?
0: No, it's B, Beaker, like you're a, literally like a, like a bumblebee. Oh, okay. Um, so B, and then I don't know where the K-Y-R, it's B-E-E-K-Y-R, Beaker Reloaded. <laughs> It's like a 2D shooter where you play as a bee and I'm like, oh, that's neat. I like the idea of being an insect and shooting things and flying around. And I mean, that seems kind of fun. Um, Again, like the rest of these picked up for a couple bucks, Uh, you know, it's okay. Just like a 2D kind of a shoot up. up. Instead of having a spaceship, you're a bee and you just kind of fly. And I'm like, eh, okay, I mean, it's all right. It didn't really seem to capitalize too much on actually being a bee. I mean, I think you could have been a spaceship or you could have been a fish or you could have been an alien or you could have been anything. And it probably would have worked just the same. So I was like, eh, okay, whatever. I mean, it's fine. But I just, it didn't, didn't really hook me. Uh, the next one was Saboteur, which I had never heard of, but apparently is a famous game from the Spectrum ZX, which is a system I have never had. And I think I've only heard people in England talk about, I believe uh, Gary Blower from the uh, Game Burst podcast has mentioned it a few times. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I, so I had no idea what to expect. This was, again, it was like 50 cents or like 99 cents or something. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Super, super, super old school. Like it looks like an Atari, Atari 2600 level of graphics, or maybe looks like one half notch above being like an Atari game from back in the day. You know, your guy is, I guess, like maybe a ninja. I mean, kind of hard <laughs> to tell, uh, but he's just like 14 like pink pixels or something or blue pixels or whatever. And then the game starts and I had no idea how to how to jump. I couldn't figure out how to jump or how to move. Um, you start off being in the water underneath a dock and it's like all 2D, like megapixel Atari level stuff. And I'm like, I could do jump kicks, but I couldn't figure out how to climb up or get out of the water. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not even going to get past the first screen on this game. Like, what is even going on here? Um, Eventually I figured it out. And then you walk inside the next room and like this dog, which is again, like 14, like brown pixels, um, just starts biting you, like running back and forth and biting you. Did you
1: jump kick the dog?
0: I did, but I didn't hit him. I couldn't hit the dog with the jump kick. And I'm like, am I supposed to hit him with jump kick? Am I supposed to run away? What is, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I mean, and I realize this is a super, super, super old game from a super, super, super old system. I only bought it because I was just like morbidly curious. And I'm like, okay, I, five minutes of this game is more than enough. I'm not going to put any more time into <laughs> oh it. God. I don't care that I threw a dollar away. It's totally fine. I'm just going to move on. So I'm sure that someone listening to this podcast is like, oh my God, Saboteur is the best game on the Spectrum CX. And that's an amazing game from back in the day. Totally believe you, dude. I'm, I'm sure this game was the shit back in the day. But playing it now with no context, as someone who does not have nostalgia for it, is a pretty painful experience. <laughs> so I, moving on, uh, I played Hungry Shark World, which was again like an iPhone game that got ported to the Switch. It looked kind of goofy. I was looking for something that was kind of on the lighter side. You play a cartoony-looking shark that swims around and eats people, as you would expect. Uh, but it's got like a timer and it's got like a life bar and you know it's got all these little achievements you're supposed to do, like eat three sea turtles within two minutes or eat three divers within a minute or something. And, I, you know, whatever, it was fine. It just was like asking me to do more than I wanted to do. Like I was in a really like I wanted to just play something easy, like because I've been working really hard. I have a lot of tough games on deck right now that I'm doing for review, and I wanted something that was just easy. And uh, it was just making me work too hard, and I just didn't really care. So uh, if you want a cartoon shark game where you swim around and eat stuff and have a lot of timers and have a life bar to manage then I guess that's what you can do you can play Hungry Shark World that's there uh played that for maybe like half an hour so it got it got
1: longer than most of these other games did but after a while I was like whatever I'm good so I just want to say how much I love that the game is called Hungry Shark World because we have games out there and of course I can't think of any off the top of my head right now even though I was trying to think about it that the most ridiculous names that you would never know what the game is about because of the title. And I know you are the one who usually brings ridiculously named games to the show, not me. So maybe that's why I can't think of any. And then we have a game called Hungry Shark World. And that's exactly, and whenever you explained it, because when I saw it on the list, I was like, this better be a game about sharks eating stuff. And lo and behold, it's a game about sharks eating stuff. And that makes me really happy.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they tell you up front what this game is about. Like I had no illusions going into this that it was going to be anything other than hungry sharks and they deliver. I mean, this game is full of hungry sharks and there is a world so that it's all true. They did not mislead me. Um, It just wasn't, I don't know. I just thought it'd be more fun to be a shark. And it just ended up being like, you're like a really weak shark that dies quickly. And that's not fun. Like I want to be like a, a, a predator shark that is not afraid of things in the ocean. And I Ended up just dying a bunch. And I'm like, man, like, I, uh, I feel like it should be like a big, bad boss bitch shark. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like a weak shark that keeps getting killed by scuba divers and their harpoon guns. Like, it's not fun. So...
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, you know, if I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. I just, I've been in kind of a very particular mood lately. And like, none of the things I tried fit the bill. So it's not to say that Hungry Shark World is bad. It, it As far as Hungry Shark World games go, it is near the top. I mean, absolutely. So if you are in the mood for a Hungry Shark World game, this is your game. Uh, I got nothing else to talk about, um, except I want to quickly mention that we probably, on this show, we're going to be talking about The Division 2 pretty soon, but I have to qualify soon because this game is
1: big. Am I right, Corey? Do you want me to tell you how big this game is? I want you to tell me how big this game is. (laughs) Okay, so I have not played it yet, but full disclosure, the fullest disclosure I could ever offer this wonderful show on our audience. I am reviewing this game for game critics. I have a press copy that I got a whopping two days before the game came out. Not even two full days, like a day and a half before the game came out. I have not even turned it on yet, but it is sitting on my PlayStation 4 ready to go at any moment when I press the start button. Whenever I went to download the game, I mean I mean I know there's probably a lot bigger games out there, but this game was 89 gigs to download. So, I'm sure if you pre-order it or whatever, you can like preload it on the PlayStation or whatever, but just bear in mind this game is like 90 gigs, so it is large and it is in charge. But that aside, I am excited to play it.
0: Well, full disclosure, um, I was able to get a second code after oh, you got your code. Oh, get
1: the fuck out! Really?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, full hell disclosure, yeah. we're going to be talking about the show or talking about this game on the show, and you know, we got free codes from some from Ubisoft. So just everybody can know that. <laughs> um, so after you got yours, I hit him back up, and I'm like, "Hey, so Corey's going to cover it, and that's awesome." But you know, this is basically a multiplayer game. Can I can I scan one more code from you so that we can do multiplayer? Because kind of weird to play with strangers. I mean, you know, that's part of the review process, but like, it would be more fun if we could do it together. Well, what Brad what Brad
1: really said was he emailed Ubisoft and he was like, can we get a second code? Because to be frank, your game probably sucks to play it alone. That's what he said. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more or less.
0: <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. You can get one more. So, okay, I got one too. So full disclosure, we're going to be talking about this, and we neither one of us had to pay for it, so we're out out on Front Street with that. But I, st- I was at work when I got the code, the second code, and so I, I emailed my wife, and I'm like, hey, would you please have our son input this code for me? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I was at work last night, put in the code, came home, uh, PS4 is still in sleep mode, and I see it's still downloading. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went to bed, slept the entire night, got up, <laughs> made breakfast, watched TV shows with my son came to the ps4 and i'm like oh let's check out uh, division 2 nope still downloading (laughs) i'm like oh my god it's been downloading for like all of last night and like half of the evening and then half of the morning and it's still downloading like how am i ever what the fuck i mean i'm really glad that i just bought a new um a new uh external hard drive because i would have had to delete every single fucking thing on my hard drive to fit this game on the fucking ps4 this game is huge ridiculous i mean like it seems
1: like absurdly (laughs) huge to me man Yeah, I mean, honestly, now that I think about it, it might be like, I think the biggest game I have on my PlayStation 4 is Hitman 1, Hitman 2016, which I think is like, it's either, it's in the 80s or 90s of gigs. And Hitman 2 is also very large, but I don't think it's that big. I I might, I feel like either The Division 2 or Hitman 2016, it's one of those two that I want to say are probably... The biggest games on my ps4 right now if i'm being like if i think i'm being accurate about this because i had to delete a couple games last night in order to uh, download the division 2 and i think it's those those two that are the biggest i think
0: yeah it is it is ridiculous i haven't downloaded a game this big in quite some time and i'm like dude like what what is taking up all this space because i mean it looks good because we played the demo and that looks fine um I just, it's kind of blowing me away how big it was. I kind of have to wonder if it's maybe a little bit bloated. So no, haven't played it yet. It's still not done downloading. Hopefully
1: sometime today, (laughs) perhaps, perhaps this week. I'm going to finish the entire game before yours is even done downloading.
0: I mean, basically, basically. (laughs) So, you know, one thing to notice too, is when I was talking, I didn't mention this to you yet, but um, in the PR materials that came with it, they were saying, oh, you know, we really want you to get to the end game. It's important to get to the end game because that was a place where the Division 2 fell down a lot of people thought the end game was garbage. And I agree. I mean, we finished the campaign and we thought it was fun to go through the campaign, you, uh, me and my wife. And we thought that was a good time. But when we got to the end game, we bailed out of it pretty hard. We didn't really stick around for that stuff. So I have to wonder if they're maybe putting too much focus on the end game because you don't hand a game to somebody and say, hurry up and get to the end game. Because (laughs) what about the game? You got to play through the fucking game. Like, don't you know what I mean? Like they're literally saying, get to the end game. And I'm like, well, okay, but let me play the game first and then if i like it then i will get to the end game but they say the campaign is about 15 hours or so which seems to me like a pretty reasonable amount of time for a game like this so i'm looking forward to someday uh before my next birthday finishing the download and then maybe we can meet up online and uh, i will pick up a copy of this for gina uh i will pay with cash money
1: cash uh, and money. get one for
0: cash money uh get one for my wife she'll do do whatever she needs to do to get it on her ps4 and then we shall uh saddle up and uh play some Division, and we'll talk about it on the show.
1: Hell yeah. I am so... Like, if you'd asked me, like, three years ago when, like, word about the Division started getting out, like, and there's probably, like, records of us talking about this on the show. I, like, was not that excited about it. But then we played it and, like, had a good time playing the first one. And now I'm, like... I Like, games as a service is, like, a big thing now. Like, we have Destiny. We have Anthem is like, the new thing on the block. And now the Division is coming out. There's other stuff out there. But I'm, like pumped as hell to play this game with you guys because like I know we already talked about this but it's been like the perfect amount of time from the first one to the second one where I feel like I played the first one so long ago that I'm not like I it's like it's kind of like a distant memory like I don't like I don't feel worn out on it like playing the beta with you it still felt like pretty fresh like oh yeah like I remember this game I remember why I like this and I'm just, like, really pumped to get back into this because we did have a lot of fun whenever we played it together with me and you and your wife the last time uh, whenever we played the first one. And I'm, like, excited that we get to do that again. I'm very pumped about this. Yeah, me too.
0: I agree. It was a good time to play as a group. It was something that we could all engage in um, and just, ha- you know, be on equals and be a good team. We had a good team dynamic. And it like you said, it, it was long enough to where... I forgot what I don't like about it and it's <laughs> but it's not so long that I forgot how to play it. Like it's still it's still in my mind as something that was fun and I know it wasn't perfect but like I the fatigue has gone away, the scars have healed and I'm like ready to like go and jump into it again and like yeah, when we played the demo I was like, "Oh yeah, this is super fun." I really want to play this again and uh, I'm glad we didn't like play too much of the demo cuz I would, wouldn't want to get like pre-tired of it. So, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'll jump in, you know, maybe maybe tonight if my thing finishes downloading and the game comes out tomorrow
1: yeah i, I think, think a midnight tonight it unlocks so
0: so tomorrow i will pick that up for the wife and we'll be ready to go probably like tomorrow or the day after because she's gonna you know probably download some patches or whatever whatever updates come along with that so yeah dude we should get some time in and we'll uh play some and we'll talk about this on the next show
1: i'm sure yes i would love to do that so i'm very excited about this all right, man. I am out of stuff to talk about. You got anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, I do have a, a, some tiny things to say. Um, speaking of games that we're playing that are upcoming, um, I bought, this is, I guess it's like previews for the future. Um, I bought The Occupation, which I have, I know I've talked about The Occupation before, but it's been a long time since I've talked about it, um, I think. So this is a new game. It's by a development studio called White Paper Games. Um, I don't really think they're, like, that famous. And I think the development studio is only, like, 10 people. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I think it's pretty small. I'm pretty sure they're based in Europe, um, the UK, somewhere... Um, they made a game called Ether One that was free on PlayStation Plus. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So they made this. Um, they made Ether One. I want to say Ether One was their first game, but I'm not positive about that. It was multi-platform. It went free on PlayStation Plus, like, God, it was probably like four years ago. And I had no idea what it was, but Patrick um, downloaded it because it was one of the free games, and I tried it. I loved Ether One because it was bas- it was kind of like a first-person, like, narrative, walking sim puzzle game, kind of similar to, like, Myst, in a sense. Like, it wasn't, like, a point-and-click, like, like uh, Myst. It, you, like, walked around the world. But the thing that I really liked about it is that it had all of these, like, greater puzzles going on in the levels, but you didn't have to do them if you didn't want to. Like, you could just walk through... Um, you had to pick up these, like, red kind of flag, these, like, bow things in the world... Um, And that was sort of, like, the barrier for entry for clearing the levels. And there's only, like, five levels, and there's, like, a hub, so you can, like, go back and forth between the levels. And the the Ether 1 is about—it's basically about this, like, kind of futuristic experiment where there's a patient at the science facility that has dementia, and you, like, go into this thing and, like, dive into their head and kind of, like, try to piece, like, their memories together in a way. And I'm saying this in a way that makes it sound really, like, sci-fi and, like, a, you I don't know, LED panels everywhere and whatever. But the game is actually really whimsical and it's kind of like cel-shaded-y. It's very kind of cartoony looking, but in like a really pleasant way. I mean, I really loved it because you didn't have to do all the big silly puzzles. There's like, a, I mean, I guess you can gain a lot of like extra stuff from it, but you could just like walk through, kind of experience a narrative. And it's also one of those games where like, and you know, everybody that's listening to the show knows I'm a sucker for these. It's one of those games where like, you know, um, like you're not quite sure if what you're seeing is real because you're in this person's mind and also the woman who's kind of like in the facility that's guiding you through it there's like i mean like she might have questionable motives or you don't know how like well designed this treatment is so you start like questioning the environment you're in you start questioning maybe her and her motives or like the research center as a whole um, so if you've never heard of Ether One, I highly recommend it. I think it's a wonderful game. Um, it's kinda of, it's a little bit of a head fuck. It's not really scary or anything. It's just it's pretty whimsical, but it's got an interesting story. But um several years later, White Paper Games just released, I think a couple actually I think last Tuesday it came out. It's been about a week. Um, they released The Occupation, which got delayed. It was supposed to come out last fall. It got delayed for like half a year. Um, just launched multi-platform I was really trying to decide if I wanted to buy it on PC or PS4 and I ended up buying it on PS4 last night so um, it is a it's another first person game but it is like I actually don't entirely know what it's about because I kind of want to go in really fresh but I think you're like an investigative journalist in like 1980s Britain and you're in some like court facility building and I think a lot of it is about like talking to people and, like, figuring out some kind of, like, mystery thing that's going on, and I realize I'm not giving a very good description because I actually would rather go into this fresh rather than knowing more about it, but it's, I think it's a pretty big, like, self-contained, like, timed mystery story, and I think there's a lot of different ways to solve, like, the situations that are within this sort of, like, facility or this building or whatever. I'm super interested in playing it, um, and I bought it last night, so I haven't played it yet, but I will play it very soon. So you can expect me to talk about that on the show. I will probably write a review for it on Game Critics as well whenever I finish it because I don't think uh, anybody else on the site is like hot on this game like I am. So I just want to give a shout out to White Paper Games because either one was great. The Occupation looks like it's going to be really wonderful and I'm very excited to play it. Hopefully I will come back to the show with good news about the Occupation and that it will be lovely, but I will be reporting back on that as soon as I play it.
0: Fantastic. Sounds good. I look forward to your uh, analysis. I saw a trailer. It looked interesting. Not sure that it's going to be my thing because it seemed like it might be kind of like slow and moody and thinky. And I think that's maybe more your thing than mine. (laughs) But I mean, if you like it a lot, I would be willing to jump in. I mean, I'm always looking for something interesting. And if it seems like it may be interesting, but it may also be a little bit more introspective than perhaps I'm in the mood for these days. But uh, we shall see. I look forward to hearing your analysis. And uh, I'm sure that we will talk about this in the future.
1: I am sure we will, too. And I'm excited about it.
0: All right, folks. This brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for putting up with our, uh, our, our unusual... Unstructured format. We kind of just like uh fucked our way through this, but I think we ended up with a good show at the end. Uh we will be back next week, and I'm guessing with a very structured usual episode. Let me get some sleep. Uh let me just recharge a little bit, I have a couple more cups of coffee. Corey, you can get some downtime too. We'll recharge our batteries, and I'm sure that by that time we will be back in fighting shape talking about the division two, among other things. Uh, but in the meantime, uh if you are from Switzerland. Reach out. Let us know. Let us know. If you're from another country other than America and you listen to our podcast, please let us know. And for anybody in general, whether you're in America or not, please remember you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. So, video games at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com after the show goes up. We are also on Twitter as a show collectively at So Video Games, but you can reach us individually. Uh, I am on Twitter. Also on Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Corey, where can people find you on the social media?
1: Um, My handles for Twitter and Instagram are also my first and last name. Um, And again, if you're interested, a lot of what I post on Instagram and uh, Twitter are photographs I've taken. And I know I talked earlier about going to the parkour thing over the weekend. So I have like a shitload of parkour photos coming up. So if you're interested in that, I'm also going to another Comic-Con um, the weekend that's about to happen so this weekend coming up i'm going to be photographing more cosplay so if you're into that i'm going to be posting all of those pictures um but my instagram and twitter handle handles are also my first and last name uh, they are cory motley c-o-r-e-y m-o-t-l-e-y excellent
0: excellent and that is it for us this week thank you for joining us for another so video games uh, no banter this week because the banter was kind of incorporated. So there's nothing <laughs> after the closing music. So don't stick around unless you enjoy the closing music, which I do. I, I, I do, do a little too. dance break sometimes. I yeah. kind of just get down a few minutes. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back. And uh, that's it for now.
1: This is uh, Bye from Brad. And Bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week.